Dybala! He is something else. Di Lorenzo, and still Di Lorenzo! The captain brings the house down. Pantelopea champions once again, but the 33-year wait will now officially come to an end. Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your calcio to go. I'm Frank Rivello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing? A crazy weekend of football, huh? Yeah, and it's not even done yet. And we had to move uh we had to move over to a Sunday. Uh as uh I know my my children are trick-or-treating on Tuesday night. I'm yep. sure yours are. Um, and getting into the Halloween festivities and we figured our chat probably are all going to engage in those sorts of things too. Uh, so let's uh, do it Sunday night, especially after a couple of big games, uh, on the peninsula. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's it's certainly a day filled with, uh, highly contested action. I think the day started and ended with a bang, obviously a big game in between that too, as well. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about, and obviously, Lazio Fiorentina tomorrow, big game there, as well as yes. uh, Empoli Atalanta there too, as well. So, uh, but we also had a derby too, Emilia Romagna derby with um, Bologna and uh, Sassuolo today as well. So we did, yes, we did, we did, and Bologna now unbeaten in nine straight. If uh, people haven't been keeping track of that, mm. uh, so we're going to break down uh, what went on with the games here this weekend. We'll give you a little bit of a sneak peek on Monday's action. A uh, little, little bit of a conversation about Milan obviously Richard and I are Milan fans if you've been listening to a long to us long enough you should know that by now mm-hmm. um and uh a week has gone by Juventus at PSG at Napoli and just one draw and two defeats and uh the Pioli out crowd is getting kind of loud here I'm gonna shut them up again uh here on the podcast or at least attempt to um and uh we'll see where Richard is at with all of it too um so uh so we've got that to look forward to uh a great weekend for the young players in this league a lot of young players stepping up um a lot of uh a lot of gushing over uh uh and ooing and eyeing over uh, Matias Sula and rightfully so with his performance for Frosinone but I think it's the tip of the iceberg when you look at uh the young talent in this league cuz a lot of these players showed out uh, so we'll highlight uh, some of the players that um, we were impressed with. Um, and then uh, we'll uh, touch a little bit on what we've seen in Europe. We're halfway through the group stage on, uh, you know, across the board here with European action. We'll talk about that and finish with the world's most popular hashtag game. Who won Calcio Twitter? Uh, you know, so hope you enjoy it. Hope you do not uh, Fabio Grosso us like uh, the Leon fans did to him. Oh. Marseille, Marseille fans. Is it Marseille fan? Oh, so it yeah, wasn't yeah. Leon's own. I thought no. I was under the impression it was Leon's own fans that did that. I initially thought so too, but it's a digging around. It sounded like it was the Marseille fans who did that. Uh, but uh, either way, it's not uh, a good thing. Not, either way, not a good thing. It's a heated rivalry, from what I heard. So that's a national treasure that Marseille's messed with. We need to go and that that that's a that that could be an international incident. You know, that's the <laughs> that's a man who. Who won us a World Cup? We can't too just our, you know. Too bad our football team couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> Maybe this is, rugby. This is, this is true, um, but uh, 
But nonetheless, I, Richard, I just say we kick it off with um, Milan and Napoli. Uh, you know, if okay, so fine. Calorie throws and only was the seven goal thriller where Calorie made this outrageous comeback, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I would think when you talk about brand names living up to expectations for a game in Serie A, I don't think it's gotten better than this game this season, Richard. It ends in a 2 2 draw uh, between Milan and Napoli. Um, let's. Uh, Get a look at the lineups. Um, I'm on Monday. Get me over to Sunday. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> These technical things, people, hang in there with me. I'm I'm an it's old man trying too. to figure all this out. There we go. Yep. Okay. Here we go. Uh, so Napoli, uh, they came out with Merritt and Gold, Di Lorenzo, Rahmani, Nathan, Mario Rui. Uh, the midfield, Elmas getting a start uh, with Lobotka and Zielinski, and then you had Faratelia, uh, Raspadori, and Politano. Milan with a 4-3-3 themselves. Mainyan in goal, Calabria, Kalulu, Tomori, Teo, uh, Musa, Krunic, Reinders, and then Pulisic, Giroud, and Leao. Um, the Elmas inclusion, I think, might have been the most curious of, of these two lineups. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I know, for sure. I think Elmas is uh, obviously a special player. It's a player that both of us think highly of. But having him in the starting lineup, obviously, no Anguisa kind of throws things off. But, you know, you kind of... The way things have been going for Rudy Garcia and Napoli, 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 uh, you know, he's going to try to do something, try to mix it up here and, you know, have another X-Factor type player on the pitch. Couldn't hurt them, really, you would think. But, uh, yeah. That certainly drew my eye when I when I saw the lineup, but uh, strong lineup overall. You know, you, you obviously have the front three who've been playing really fantastic football this season. Politano on the right, Havrashieli on the left, and when Raspadori, he's just he's a gem, right? So it, it's interesting to ha- have add a fourth, you know, pure attacking talent like Elmas in there. So uh, yeah, it was it was interesting to see for sure. Yep, and I think that Elmas is in, I, I I prefer Elmas as a winger for Napoli, you know, yeah. as a spot player. He's not a midfielder, and then that got exposed badly. Um, and then Milan were able, you know, I thought that those forty five minutes for Milan, those first forty five minutes were their best all season. Um, just the constant pressing, forcing Napoli into mistakes, winning the ball in dangerous areas, and turning them into chances. I mean, and the speed with which they played, the technique with which they played, the pace with which they played uh, was as impressive a performance in the first half. You get a goal from Giroud that, if you ask a Napoli fan, Merritt should have done a lot better with. Um, but he gets he gets a goal. He gets a second one. Milan go up 2-0 at halftime. I left that first half, Richard, really feeling empty um, as a Milan fan because as as exciting as it is to be up 2-0 at halftime at Napoli, I'm sitting here looking at all of the chances, the Reinders' chance after the tail cross. Um, I think Giroud had another chance. He could have had a hat-trick before halftime. Pulisic mm-hmm. had pulled a couple of chances. Uh, Musa was getting into the box, uh, you know, and getting dangerous and creating a couple of things. This should have been over in 45 minutes. And what do we always say here at Serie A sit down? A two goal lead is the most dangerous to lead to have in this game. Yeah, yeah. Um, comment on Milan. Do you feel the same way I do about their performance in the first 45 minutes while it was exciting? While in terms of their overall play, it might have been their best 45 minutes they've played all season, but you just were left a little dissatisfied because the 
they they really did deserve more goals. You know, I can see why you would feel that because they, they certainly left goals on the table. You mentioned Giroud could have had a hat trick in that first half. They had so many scoring opportunities in that first half. It, honestly, this performance in the first half was I was taken aback because I was not prepared for it because we saw what they did against Juventus. We yeah. saw what they did against PSG, and you're thinking – Napoli is just going to run them through, especially at home. They're going to take it to them, especially with the results from we saw last year at Napoli. They're going to want revenge. And Milan really took it to them in, in opening 45. And you're like, okay, well, maybe this is the recipe they used last year. They're going to go for it. I mean, it's almost Milan had two goals within 32 minutes last year when they won 4 nothing. Again, they did it this time. And, yes, they had missed opportunities. and They should have been up a lot higher. But I felt at halftime, they're like, oh, my gosh, this is a, almost a replication of what we saw last year. As long as they continue to play the same way, it's going to be a similar result. I mean, everybody, uh, I know everyone at halftime pretty much thought it was dead in the water. Game's over. You know, Napoli lost their what, third game of, uh, of home this year, but uh, didn't really happen like that in the second half. But I mean, the first half, in terms of first half performances, really well done by Milan. Really well done. I thought Calabria was fantastic in that first half. Um, really, bo- really both right backs for both teams. Lorenzo and, and Calabria were fantastic yeah. in this game. But Calabria in the first half is shut down Havrashelia. Uh, Musa, fantastic all game long. I thought oh, Musa was a beast. I, but, I thought this was his best game in a Milan shirt by far. Absolutely, but I felt at, at 45 minutes, I thought if Milan continues to play like this, this is exactly how you have to play against Napoli. They're in a little bit of shell shock mode. You get a quick third goal, and the game's over. Well, we saw what happened after halftime. But great 45. Yep, uh, and it would be Politano who is having who's flourishing under Rudy Garcia in all actuality. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, gets kind of in a 1v1 situation with Teo. Uh, Teo kind of gets a little bit wrong-footed, and, and Politano finishes nicely, uh, making it 2-1. And then just 13 minutes later, Luca Romero commits a foul, goes into the book, and uh, Giacomo Maspadori, uh with the free kick. Um, and on that, you just kind of say, great free kick. I mean, for me, that's the goal of the week. Uh, expertly taken, completely around the wall, no chance for Mignon. Um making it 2-2 um the set you know you look at the first half okay Milan the possession was even but Milan 12 shots to six four on target um and then you go to the second half and that's where uh Napoli were allowed to grow into the game uh through those and, and those goals reflected it um 11 shots four on target to just eight for Milan and two on target uh for them and Quite frankly, I don't know of a chance really that Milan had in the second half that gave Merritt a whole bunch of trouble. Um, I would say the one where Calabria came charging in and headed it just wide and didn't get it on frame was probably their most dangerous chance in the second half. Um, Almost suggested to me that, you know, Milan maybe were not looking I and I would I don't want to say that they were avoiding going in for the kill but you could see how they were trying to play you know you know you know Napoli had a little more of the ball in the second half made more useful cha- opportunities a late save by mine late save by mine on, on I believe on Quadratelia yeah uh to preserve the, the point for Milan yeah um so uh and 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 there's and I think if you do have some scrutiny here for Pioli, it's the halftime changes that he made, bringing on Romero at the beginning of the second half for Pulisic. We don't know anything about an injury to Pulisic or, or anything like that. Um, 
you know, so for me, that was that was a little peculiar. Yeah, I think it was. I think that's what changed the game, honestly, amongst other things. I think Rudy Garcia did a fantastic job at halftime to adjust. But, yeah, taking off Pulisic, who was doing well, had an assist in the first half, uh, the wonderful assist to Olivier Giroud. We don't know if it was an injury. I was thinking, oh, maybe he's taking him off because he's resting him for the midweek game. But there is no midweek game. So, like, what's going on here? Um, it was very head-scratching to me. I honestly... I was it was infuriating to see how um, Pulisic has been playing played as of lately. He just I don't know if it's a nagging injury or what's going on or trying to rest his legs or what, but it seems like he's getting a lot of short minutes. Um, so he comes out, Romero comes on, and I, I don't mind that substitution too much. But obviously, you also had the Kalulu injury in the first half, and Milan don't have Tiao because of red card. They don't have Kiar. So they got to bring in the fifth, you know, fifth stringer here, Pellegrino, a young kid, and uh, he was having a tough time there. So you have that plus Romero. So you got a boatload of young kids now on the on the pitch uh, against a team that you know is going to be hungry in that second half, and um, that's really from was a downfall for Milan there. And I think you know, again, Rudy Garcia made some good substitutions at halftime, uh, and really kind of sparked the offense. Really, it was going for broke at that point. You're down two nothing, as worse of a first half as you can have in, in the league for Rudy Garcia, and then. Threw shit on the wall and it stuck. It did. <laughs> he did. Um, just the first, the first handful of blurbs that I'm trying to read through some news feeds. It does sound like there was an injury to Pulisic that forced him off. Okay. Um, at the start makes of the second half. Makes you feel better about that. Makes you feel yeah. better about that. Uh, so, so we we've got that now. Um, Leao and Giroud are brought out in the 81st minute. Giroud was a little more demonstrative about it about it than Leao was. Um. Sort I of. think Leo struggled to maintain an impact on the game in the second half and could understand the substitution uh, and trying to bring on Okafor, fresh legs, who's a take on guy who face it. He's no layout, but he can, you know, fresh legs running out of tired De Lorenzo um, could present some problems. You know, he just never got the opportunity to show that Jovic coming on for Giroud um you know, I, I don't blame Giroud for being – and you know what? I, I, I would want a player to be upset in that situation. I wouldn't want to come out yeah. of a game. Yeah. He's um, on a hat so, trick too. Yeah, and he was on a hat trick and, and you know, and some of these other things. I think that the change of Ostegard for Rachmani uh, also helped settle Nat- Napoli back there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Rachmani just was not sure how to deal with all the running. And, I mean, he was all over the place defensively. Um. You know, so, but, you know, I don't mind the demonstration of disappointment by Giroud. Um, you know, I don't think that, you know, people are sitting there saying that Pioli's lost the dressing room. He's subbing guys out that don't want to come out. And I'm like, you know, what do we say about managers? Managers are thinking, you know, they're trying to think about how they can figure out to win the game that's in front of them, but they've also got bigger picture planning too. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, as you've been playing too many minutes with having to play every three days and having to start and that sort of thing, you know, is that He's something that has to be considered? He's not, He's not young. Exactly. Leao, um, you know, cause I'll show you a team. I'll show you coaches who have run players into the ground and, and show you that they end the season with no trophy. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I think that there's a little bit, and I don't mind the idea of fresh legs there in that moment, because I think that Milan at that time, the attack was just the, the attack lost steam. Yeah. 
You know, it, it did. And you have to make those changes. So I'll support Pioli on that. Um, you know, um, it was just uh, you, you congratulate Napoli for finding a way to claw their way back into the game and grab the point. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's two points lost for Milan just on the strength of that first half. It should have been a bigger margin than 2-0. Mm-hmm. I think, and also both goals really came within 10 minutes spurts, 10, 15 minutes spurts each way, right? Uh, Milan scored two goals in nine minutes and, and Napoli scored two goals within like 12 minutes or something like that, 11, 12 minutes. So uh, for the most part, they kind of canceled each other out. You know, first half, Milan obviously had the better of the play. Second half, Napoli brought it and they had majority of the play there. Um, the the big stars, the two big stars, I should say, you know, Avarashelia and, and Leal, they had a couple glimpses here and there, but for the most part, they were shut down. Havara really at the end, uh, nearly won the game. I mean, that was a brilliant play at the end where uh, Magnon had to make a big save. Leal in the first half had some nice plays as well, but for the most part was kept kept clean by Di Lorenzo. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a two good teams. Uh, you got to see the fight from Napoli, which many people wanted to see, especially you know, the Napoli supporters. What would they do? They were down 2 nothing. That's a punch in the face. What are you going to do? And they, they came back fighting. Uh, it shows that the right. team is so good. They're so hungry. They're, they're fighting for their manager. Uh, it's good for... For Rudy Garcia, that they fought back like the way they did. If it's a four nothing result, you might not see him again. Uh, but the way they fought back, he's going to at least be there for a little bit longer, right? A good result uh, at home, uh, especially with that, the, in the circumstances that you know how it unplayed. But uh, overall, I think you see from Napoli is that they they attacked so well, and it didn't necessarily have Arashila to do it all. Raspadori was great. Politano was great. Um, Zelensky created that foul that led to that Raspadori penalty kick or free kick goal. Um, it was a team effort. Di Lorenzo, I thought, you know, played on both ends of the pitch, did really well. Obviously, had that crucial play that led to that first goal uh, that Politano scored. Um, uh, Pellegrino, but Pellegrino, by the way, who misses that header on Politano, who goes right by him and then ends up scoring the goal. But yeah, yeah. Uh, overall, interesting game. I mean, a, a fair, a fair draw. I think overall, you know, Milan missed their chances, and you know, Napoli had some chances of their own that they missed. So, um, referee wasn't that great. Orsato, I don't know how he continues to get these big games. I thought Orsato was terrible. At least he was terrible for both teams, I think. Yeah, he um, was. He was. But that, I don't think I don't think the referee necessarily cost the game for anybody. I think it was just uh, honors even. Honestly, it was. Orsato just finds a way to make it about him. Yeah. When he gets into these big games, and oh, it's just so course. aggravating. The it's so thing. aggravating. Yeah. Um, the best referees are the ones that you don't have to talk about. Yes. You know. Uh, govern the game, do it by the laws of the game, and let's get on with it. Yeah. So it's, it's just what I always say in those situations. So, um, Rafiq, I agree. Yes, the match of the season. I, I have I, yeah, said at the beginning of the podcast, this was the match of the season so far. It was a well-played match, two great teams. Um, you know, Especially from a brand standpoint. Both these teams are, are brand names, and so, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, if you want a good advert for what City I should be, this was it. The game before it, Richard, I don't know. Yeah, no, not not so much. And we're obviously talking about Inter Roma. Uh, it was a the game that was sandwiched in between uh, the 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 two thrilling games, if you want to call it that. I guess you will call it because it was it's certainly thrilling. Uh, but looking at the the home lineup for Inter, Summer and Goal, obviously Pavard, Cherby, and Bastoni in the back with Dumfries, Mkhitaryan, Chalanolu, Barella, and Di Marco. Up top, of course, Lartaro and um, Marcus Taram. Uh, pretty standard lineup, Frank. I thought, um, I mean, this is probably as good as the lineup you're going to get for, for Inter. Um, and, you know, with 
when you have a big guy like Lukaku on the opposite side, Acherby is probably going to be the guy you're going to focus on because he's been pocketing people this season, kind of having a really good year. What are your thoughts on the starting 11 here? I mean, Amy, no big surprises. It was just going to be for me between these two teams. They're, they're, they're both teams that prefer to play on the counter, uh, prefer to seed possession. So it was going to be interesting to see who was going to have more of the ball and and, and would they would they see, and, and would this Inter want to monopolize possession playing at home against Roma? I mean, I think, you know, and you'll get into Roma's lineup. It's going to be just by, by, by force, Inter were going to just have more of the ball in this game. Yeah. Uh, with the way Roma were, and 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 it not you know Inter were forced into that playing that way, because Roma were ha- were forced to play the way they did, and I'm sure you'll share that with the lineup that uh, uh, that we have here. Yeah, I mean obviously the Roma lineup is hurting. The starting eleven uh, you had Rui Patricio on goal, Mancini, Diego Little, Diego Llorente, excuse me, and Dica. Good to see Evan and Dica getting some constant play now with uh, Smalling out. Uh, in the midfield, you had Christensen, Cristante, Paredes, Bove, and Zalewski. And then uh, up top, you had obviously Lukaku and El Sharawi. And you mentioned, you know, a couple of key guys not in there, right? Pellegrini and Dybala. And you had also no Mourinho, right? Because he got a red card last game. And you almost could almost bet the house that of the two teams, who would be the more defensive team, who would who would concede possession the most? It would be Roma, and you would be correct. Uh there was seemed like they were content on shit has in their way playing, you know, a Ben don't break attitude. And it's, it's kind of what we saw in this game from almost from the onset inter really with the constant pressure in that first half, honestly, you saw, I don't even think I can't remember a, an opportunity where, um, Jan summer had to do anything. Honestly, it was, it was always one way traffic and inter are missing a lot of, you, you talked about this in the Milan and Napoli game, missed chances. Inter had a lot of missed opportunities in this one. Um, Rui Patricio had some good saves, no doubt about it. Um, and Roma were doing just enough despite the one-way traffic. It was honestly, for me, a very boring half because it just seemed like Roma did to sit back, let Inter have all the ball, put 11 guys on the, on the ball behind, and, and take come, come beat us. And it, was, it wasn't very entertaining from that standpoint. That's perfect what Roma wants. Roma wants a boring game. And then get us get a shot or two and take advantage of it. Um, yeah. And so in that in that regard, this is playing perfectly to how Roma wants it. It was zero zero at halftime, um, looking very bleak. Honestly, I thought uh, some of the notes that I had I put it here in the first half. Um, I thought uh, it, was a, it was a crucial save. Taram did it. Taram, he seems to be. We've talked about this for many many weeks now on the podcast. He's been like a, a glove fit like a glove for this inter team yeah and he had a great opportunity 15th minute uh wonderful save by Rui patricio short side uh but uh, of the roma thing you know despite they were bending out breaking i thought zalewski was awfully poor in that first half i thought what, what are your thoughts on the first half in this game um i i thought that uh clearly roma is the happier of the two sides because that's the way they were going to come out and play yeah um yeah. you know the Turam chance was the only chance of note for Inter. I mean, when you, if you set up to the play that way, you need to be effective at limiting dangerous chances where you're requiring the goalkeeper, especially a goalkeeper who's been as shaky as Rui Patricio, mm. uh, to get involved. Um, and I thought that they executed the first half to a T. Yep. Um, we should mention that it was Salvatore Foti uh, who was on the touchline for Roma, that, uh, that Mourinho had a touchline ban. Because uh, he was sent off yep. uh, against Monza, so yeah. uh, and that's the other thing. Pioli has got a facing a touchline ban, I believe, from Milan against Udinese uh, on Saturday. So no, Pioli, Pioli said in the game it was his assistant that got 
Red Carpet. Oh, was it his assistant? Okay, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, you know, I kind of half watched it, so you yeah. know, I, I well, I half watched that particular moment. So yeah. Um. Okay, so. Yeah, Rome was clearly the happier of the two teams because they knew that this was going to be the way it was going to be. It was just going to be survive, get this game to the final, you know, you know, fifteen minutes or so where they're where it's still nil nil, and there might be a chance for them if they can just just kind of work their way into creating something that can steal the game. Um, so clearly they're the happiest. And when you look at Inter, I said, yeah, it was twelve shots in the first half, but nothing nothing that scared you, and that's that's what Roma wanted. No, and I think the best opportunities for Inter outside of that Taram shot was, I thought Chalanola had a really good first half, a really good game overall. Um, was aggressive when when trying to challenge for the balls. Had a couple of long range shots that you know really tested the keeper. Uh, but he seemed to be everywhere in this game. He's 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 growing into this role that Inzaghi has kind of built around him. Um, but nonetheless, I thought uh, as the game went on. It was more of the same second half. Uh, Pavard did come off at halftime uh, for Darmian. I thought maybe add a little spark to the team. Really didn't do anything much in terms of goals. But what we did see is more of the same in the second half. Roma did open up a little bit more uh, in the second half. We saw more, more of them venturing down the pitch uh, here and there. But again, the formula seemed to be park the bus, 11 guys behind the ball, let Inter come at you, and just don't break. And it lasted for a good bit. It looked like we were probably going to end up at a 0-0 game, but it wasn't finally until the 81st minute, uh, Marcus Taram. Nice goal. This was one of the goals of the week. Uh, it's, it's up there. Aslani makes a remarkable pass from like midfield, switches switches field over to uh, DiMarco, and DiMarco freaking wonderful cross, low cross to Taram, who just puts it away. I mean, that was a beautiful beautiful tic-tac-toe play by, by, by Inter and I mean, if you're going to win it, that's the way to win it, right? 81st minute, that's all they would need. Uh, Roma would try to come out a little bit out of their box. Didn't really help them much. They didn't do it. They still weren't really threatening anything. I think you look here, big chances missed, you know, two for, for Roma. And that's probably what they got at the end there. Uh, but the big story for me, you know, outside of Roma, trying to shit house their way to, to a draw and didn't get it. Lukaku, completely unmarked in the game. Obviously, all the whistles, I'm, I doubt they affected him. The, the, it was a loud atmosphere there at the San Siro or Giuseppe Miazza for the Interisi. But uh, yeah, Lukaku marked out of the game by Echerbi. I thought that was a fantastic yeah. way. They had really one one option in that game was Lukaku to kind of kickstart something and Echerbi didn't allow him to do one bit at all. Uh, I saw a couple memes of Echerbi cleaning out his pockets today and, you know, Romelu Lukaku is one of them. So uh, for good reason. So what are your thoughts on the game overall? Um, I want to address the goal and I, and I said it on Twitter. Um, nice goal by Inter complete lack of concentration um, by Roma all the way around. Um, starting with Christensen who recovered to DeMarco. To DeMarco. What, 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 what foot does DeMarco prefer to use? Left, right? Only one foot, yep. His left foot, yeah. Um, you got to recover because the most, in that moment, the most dangerous cross he can play is the one on his left foot that's going to be clipped across, that's going to be awkward for center backs to deal with. You've got to recover to an angle where you're forcing him to go back on his right foot. Because if you if you do that now and and you force DiMarco to cross it, where's the cross going to go? It's not going to it's not going to take the same path and the same angle that the left foot had crossed it. Right. All right. It's going to be a cross that your defenders can now see, can step up and clear out. So very cat, you know, very casual in the recovery from Christensen to start with, and he had plenty of time to get over. And cut off DiMarco and put him back on his right foot. So he fails to do that. So the cross comes in. 
And then it's Diego Diego Lorente, who was playing really well up until that particular moment, just stopped defending. Like it's like he switched off. Yeah. Um, and he just watched Taram go right past him and Taram puts it in. Um, you know, and it just kind of it's one of those when you set out to play a specific set of tactics and you lose. I mean, your concentration levels have to be very, very sharp for the entire 90 minutes. And, yeah. you know, the wrong two players switched off at the wrong possible time for Roma. And it cost them all. It, it cost them a chance to share the points because I they, they were never going to win this game. No. To your point, Lukaku marked out of the game, but mainly by a chair. Yeah. Um, Roma had nothing creative in their team, you know, and they won't until they can start recovering Dybala um, or Pellegrini, you know, who they look at. And then you can even make the case for Spinazzola and what he can offer on the left-hand side, yeah. not being available yeah. for this game. Yeah. So Roma had to play this way. And if you have to play this way, then you've got to make sure that you're going to be switched on consistently for 90 minutes or you're walking out losing the game. And that's what happened here. Especially against Inter, a team, Inter, who's arguably the best team in the league, one of the best teams in Europe. They're going to bring it to you wave after wave as they did in this game. And it it seemed like a matter of time that they were going to score goals because they kept attacking. They kept attacking. Um, And I wonder, you know, you talk about players switching off on that goal. That pass was phenomenal by Aslani. And I wonder how many people were just ball watching. And then by the time they realized what happened, like, oh, shit, DeMarcus got the ball. And that's when it's too late at that point. And. Like you mentioned, Indica, I thought, had a really good game. And Llorente, both, both of them, really, I think Indica is familiar with his former teammate in Taram at uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. And so I thought they did well for the most part in the game. He had his chances, Taram did, and Lotaro, But they 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 bent but didn't break. And ultimately, yeah. it was that switching off at the end there. And you know, what still amazes me in this game is every time I watch Inter and there's a ball in the air, every single time, you know, Lautaro Martinez is one of the first guys on the ball. How he's one of the smaller guys on the pitch, and he gets to it every time. It's full credit to him and what kind of player he is. Uh, he just reads those so well, and he can time it perfectly. It just amazes me that with all the big guys in the league, he's always one of the guys who's first on the hitter. It's crazy. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah. It really is yeah. when you yeah. when you think about it. So, um, So... I can't. I, I'm. I mean, I'm going to give Roma an incomplete grade because this doesn't represent Roma what they had out there. This is what you know. I um, Inter, I, I give a B. I mean, yeah, they got the three points. They carried it out at the end of the day, but um, you'd like to see them. <clears throat> this is exactly what you can do against Inter. You can you can park park the bus. Or you can do a lot more low block and let them have more of the ball. I still can. I still maintain that that's the way you beat Inter, and you try to find a way to beat them on the break, um, and you take your chances with that. Roma just never got anything concrete, and I think maybe you can slide interrupt into the A range for that reason. Um, yeah. But at the same time, can you give them that for a Roma that was going to be predictable when they got the ball? No, but I think. I give them an A because they had it, it wasn't even a sniff of offensive opportunities by them. And we've seen how many teams where they, they yeah, they don't have all the creative players, but they still find ways to get, you know, shots or two on goal. And I thought Inter were just so fantastic. Their defense is just remarkable as it is. Yeah, yeah. You're playing against a B team, sure. But I thought they they didn't even let them try anything at all. I thought they were phenomenal defensively. Um, they kept it with the wave and wave of attacks. How many posts did they have? Chal Nolu had a couple posts on crossbar and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think 
the good teams, the best teams, find a way to win no matter what. How many inter teams in the past would have drawn this game easily, or even find that's a way fair. to lose it? That's and they fair. found a way at the very end because that's what all the great teams do to get the win. And you know, if they had they got the draw, okay, but they got to win. And this could be in the grand scheme of things. So this is going to be a very tight year. Those three points could be huge coming down the line because now they're back in first place. And obviously, UV are a team you have to worry about. Milan are still in the mix. Napoli are still in the mix. You, you know, the the two Roman clubs and uh, even Atalanta to a degree. It's huge three points, and that's yep. why I'm going to give them an A. Okay, all right, and that's fair. I mean, I just I I think that I need to see them be more clinical when they're forced to play against this kind mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. Uh, these kind of teams because you, 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 and and this playing against this kind of setup, yeah, uh, more than anything. So I think that's where I'm probably being a little little no. harsh on them here. But you know, we are picking them to win the title. Yep. Um, you know, so that comes with some responsibility. So um, let's just uh, jump into the rest of what happened uh, so far over match week ten. <laughs> Uh, we've got two games here on uh, on Monday. Genoa and Salernitana, a battle of coaches who were teammates and won a Champions League together. Alberto Giladino at Genoa and Pippo Inzaghi at Salernitana. Apparently Salernitana has no ambition to do anything special this year because they they hired well, they hired Pippo Inzaghi. Um, <laughs> maybe they want to win City B next year because that's what Inzaghi's good at. Uh, yeah. All right, so this ended 1-0, uh, and it was Albert Goodmanson in the 35th minute from Ruslan Melanovsky. Yes, that one. Um, he's not dead yet. Um, he's, <laughs> he, he shows up once in a while and still plays football, but he just has not been the same since leaving Atalanta. Um, yeah. Worst movies made for his career. Mm. Uh, but nonetheless, Genoa get the win by a goal to nil. Uh, going into Saturday's action, Sassuolo and Bologna. Bologna through Zerzi in the... Uh, damn it! What minute? Fourth, fourth minute. Uh, third minute actually. Third, oh, okay. third minute. Wow. Okay, so we, we're going to have a theme of talented young players scoring goals uh, this weekend. Is what you're going to find. We had Good Munson there on Friday. We have Zerxi for Bologna. We have mm-hmm. Daniel Boloka, who is the new uh, Davide Fratesi, who Davide Fratesi was the new Manuel Locatelli. Sassuolo <laughs> just keeps finding these guys to play that position. Yeah. Uh, the Romanian international scoring in the 44th minute. At, making it 1-1. And this was the, the Emilia-Romagna derby. Uh, entertaining game. Bologna, surprisingly enough, had more of the possession in this game than Swallow. I would have never thought that, uh, you know, if I didn't look at that stat sheet. Uh, Torino go on the road and win at Lecce by a goal to nil. Maybe the bloom of the rose that is Lecce at home is starting to wear off because they've dropped a couple home matches now. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alessandro Buongiorno, um uh, tall defender, uh, young defender for uh, Torino scoring uh, on an assist from Samuel Ricci in the 41st minute. Uh, Lecce, a lot of chances on goal here. Uh, great performance from Vanya Milinkovic-Savic. We don't get to say that very often about him, uh, but he stood well in goal. Uh, if you woke up early for your Calcio and, you know, you had a little you, – you had a chance to – you know, at my time, it started at 6.30 in the morning because uh, in Europe, they did their daylight savings this weekend. We're doing ours yeah. next weekend. So yeah. I got to wake up. We got to wake up and watch this game. Frozenoni and uh, Frozenoni at Cagliari. Um, 23rd minute, Matias Sula with a very <laughs> nice, uh, on the end of some very nice pressing, pressing from the visitors, uh, scoring in the 23rd minute. Uh, Cagliari would get a penalty um, that, uh, well, 
you know, at that point you're sitting and thinking, this is, this is Cali season in a microcosm, um, a penalty that hits the woodwork, uh, and, uh, never goes in, uh, it ends up being uh, one nil still for Frosinone, and then Sula in the 37th minute. Wonderful individual run. You can uh, contend with Raspadori for goal of the week uh, mm. with this with this individual goal. Well taken. Two nil Frosinone at halftime. They make it three nil in the 49th minute. Another young player, Marco Brescianini, uh from Polirola, and uh, oh man, uh, EDF's men are flying uh, in Sardinia, uh, but. Not so fast. Uh, the uh, the Tinkerman tinkers, makes some adjustments, makes some substitutions, one of whom, Gaetano Oristano, uh, getting a goal and pulling it back uh, for Cagliari in the 72nd minute. Uh, just four minutes later, Antoine Macumbo uh, mm-hmm. making it 3-2. And then another substitution, a guy who came on in the uh, to start the second half, and it pays off in the 94th minute, Leonardo Pavoletti. From Nicolas Viola, uh, Pavoletti is a not so young guy. He so he doesn't no. he doesn't go with the theme here, um, <laughs> but uh, he squares it at three three and not so fast. Just two minutes later, from Alberto de Sena, Leonardo Pavoletti wins it for Cagliari, gets Cagliari their first win of the season, leaving Salernitana the only winless team in Serie A at this point. Yeah. Uh, Monza and Udinese play to a 1-1 draw. A couple of young players scoring here. Andrea Colpani, we would love this guy. Uh, 27th minute, uh, he gets Monza on the board. But in the 66th minute, Lorenzo, Luca, all six foot seven of them. Did he, did he have this one in? I didn't catch this goal. No, it was a foot. He uh, backed away and the ball was on the ground and knocked it in there. I'd just be if I'm if I'm at Udinese and he's in there. I just I just put I just put crosses in the box in the air yeah, yeah. and let him go get it. Monster. Six foot seven. My goodness. Yeah. Um, from Christian Cavaselli, 66th minute, making it one one. Um, a game that was fairly balanced actually uh, when you look at it. So those were the other six games that went on in Serie A, Richard. Uh, where would you like to start? Well, I'll tell you what I'm not going to start is Udinese game because those freaking pajamas are the worst kits I've seen ever. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. I would have not come out if I was Udinese. That was a ridiculous outfit for me, so I'm not going to talk about them. But um, Genoa, I thought they had the right mentality against Salernitana. I thought you know, coming out, they had but two quick plays in the first two minutes, two dangerous plays where they, they, they should have went up, um, called, called back, uh, but they kept persisting. Obviously, you know, the youngster – Rettigi is fantastic. He had this fantastic, uh, just before the goal, um, I remember he like chested it, turned it around, got a quick shot off. I mean, his his release is uncanny and gets it off the post, but then, you know, obviously Goodmanson gets a goal a little bit later. The youngsters are, are pulling Gen- are, uh, Genoa and Gilardino's team, and I think, you know, this is kind of why we, we like them, uh, you know, to, to stave off relegation this year is because they got this fight in them, and it's not easy to do against Salernitana, and Buladia had a chance at the end to to draw this game for for people in Zagi, and the one guy you'd bet on on the pitch to score a goal when you need it, it's going to be Deep Buladia, and he misses it just wide. I mean that's that, that encapsulated the game for Salernitana there. Uh, so nice win there by Genoa. Um, I thought Juventus. The Juventus is another game very similar to the Roma game where they had all the possession in the world. They had all these chances. Moise Keane was I thought phenomenal in this game. Um, really good chances from Juventus. They just kept missing their chances. Obviously, Kane had like two goals that was taken away from fouls, both of them by him. 
Um, but I thought Juventus kept scratching and clawing, and they finally got it. Literally in the last seconds of the game, Cambiaso, um, after a nice you know play to start off the play, follows it up. And you if you watch, there's multiple angles of this, but Cambiaso, you know, gets across the, the ball into the box, and you know Milik goes for the header, but he doesn't quit on the play. He he just runs it to the box, follows the ball into the box, and this ball bounces around. He just puts it away, and you know, good for him, good for Juventus. And Juventus get a ni- nice win there. Um, against Hellas Verona, yeah, the, the result against the opponent is not necessarily that great, but the win is again is important. We talked about how Inter found a way to get a win, Juve found a way to get a win, uh, and so they won one nothing there. So that I thought that game was uh, you know good for Juventus there, and then uh, Torino finding a way to get a win. You mentioned maybe Lecce is struggling at home now, and maybe their their bubbles getting burst here, but Torino found a way, and, and it wasn't the greatest of games, right? But they, they got a goal. They got a win. I think that's important. That's something to build off on. They've been in a little bit of a downward spiral. Uh, and so finally, anyway, sometimes all it takes is a goal to kind of break break the dam and, and kind of get the, the mojo, the roll the roll starting and the wins. Mm-hmm. Go. So maybe that's for them. Uh, but I'm leaving the best for last is the, for me, the game of the weekend, maybe the game of the year was Galliari Frosinone. You're watching the game, you know, for those of us who got early and watched the game, you're watching, oh man, EDF, like you said, put on a clinic. This is a typical Frosinone. How many goals are they going to score? And I feel bad for George, wherever the heck he is. Mm-hmm. You know, his team's now 3 nothing at halftime. It's like, oh my goodness, what's going on here? But what I want to give full credit to Kaliri because at no point in that game did they quit fighting. Yeah. 0 0, 1 1 nothing, 2 nothing, 3 nothing. They never stopped fighting. And the young guys, Orstano, Mokombo, uh, Luvombo, all those guys that kept fighting throughout the game and then it's clawing their way back. And obviously Orsano with a great pressing that caused the turnover led to that goal. Same thing with Mokombo. Nice pressing that caused a turnover and he gets the goal. And obviously like, oh my God, they're down one down one at this point. And then Pavoletti doing Pavoletti things. That's what he does. He's he's good in the air. And they found a way to crawl and scratch the way back to make it 4-3. Unreal game. Um, you just saw as soon as that first goal happened, you're like, oh my God, the crowd just got involved and the players wrote it they rode that wave and full credit has to go to ranieri i mean unbelievable game it, it, it's not a brand name right it's not, not napoli milan so it's not gonna get as much attention but it should and yeah. i will because coming down from three nothing and win the game four three it was a fantastic result there the fantastic game yes agreed um just happy for ranieri it has to just be aggravating i mean it's just it's such a fall from grace for him as a manager and, you know, from hitting the heights, I mean, winning the premier league with Leicester of all teams to, you know, since then just having to bounce around and find a place where he can hang his hat. It's yeah. been, it's been difficult. And right? yeah. And, you know, now he's in a calorie where they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're up against it, but you got to find the wins where you can. And, and they did it here. So, yeah. um, you know, I, um, I'm encouraged, you know, I, I think that, you have to appreciate what you're seeing from uh, Genoa and Giladino. Um, I mean, this this the the way it started, right? right. Um, and they're on eleven points, and you know there might be a, a chance where they could find uh, some discomfort at some point. But I mean, when you look at them, they're you know one nil to Milan, the game that they could have gotten something out of. Um, you know, Atalanta, all right, maybe that one got away from them. But if you look at the beginning of the season and, and, and they allow three against Modena in the Coppa Italia and they came out and they get their doors blown off in the first game of the season and you're just like, oh, this could this could end up ugly for them. Yeah. 
they've adjusted as a team. Giladino's you know, kind of adjusted accordingly. You know, he leans on good Goodmanson, uh, you know, to have everything run through him. Um, I think he needs to get more scoring out of Mateo Rotegi. That would certainly kind of help them. Um, but you know, he's got a lot of tryhards in there that are, that are keeping things interesting. You're not seeing them get destroyed all of a sudden. Um, you know, when they get into some tougher matches. So that stood out to me. Um, again, Bologna having way more possession than Sassuolo at Sassuolo, just, uh, that's not normal. I would have thought Sassuolo would have had a lot of the possession. I think Mota, I, I would have thought Mota would have set his team up, you know, to sit back and let Sassuolo have more of the ball and let things run through Berardi and, you know, and take their chances with it. And then you've got Cerzi who, who you can counter off of and Sassuolo will ship you, ship you some goals. Um, but no, Bologna took, had the ball. They, and they, they commanded possession. They took it to, to Sassuolo. Um, you well, know, maybe that's and, the genius too of it too, right? Because everyone's going to, everyone expects that, like you said, Mota and Bologna are going to concede, you know, possession and, and hope to defend. But, you know, Sassuolo is so good on the ball. Maybe that, Maybe Mota had it right, where he's like, you know what? The less they have the ball, the better chance that we have. So let's let's be the one, the aggressors, and let's keep the ball more. So that way, Sassuolo has to really defend, tire themselves out, and then maybe they're not as dangerous going forward, right? This is fair. Yeah, it's a very fair thing to say. I don't feel the same way you do about Udinese's kits. I thought those were kind of slick looking. Oh, yeah, I thought they were ugly. Oh. Hey, to each their own, though. <laughs> What's that? I said to each their own, but I thought they were disgusting. I was like... Worst That's different, seen. you know. I mean, different is the true. Different is true. <laughs> I'm not because I, I I'm st- I'm not on board with Milan's like little pink and lavender setup for their third kit. So, uh, is that what it, or pink and purple or whatever? You know, yeah, they were kind of gradates to another color, and I was like, yeah, I know. I thought it was miles better than that Udinese kit. <laughs> Okay. Maybe, because, maybe because that Udinese kit is so classic, you know, with the black and white, with the with the dacha on the front, and you know, I don't know, maybe just. Old man, me, you know, who knows? Yeah, I mean, it was just exciting. Two two games tomorrow, Richard. We've got Empoli hosting Atalanta, Lazio hosting Fiorentina. What are your thoughts on those games? Yeah, uh, it's going to be obviously interesting games. Obviously, there's one marquee game you would think of the two. It says Lazio, Fiorentina. But, you know, don't discount Atalanta, Empoli. Uh, Empoli have been trying to play a lot more open, which could be disastrous for them if they go there. But we say that. And what you know, it worked. It worked wonders for them against Fiorentina, right? They got the two nothing result, two nothing result last week in the in the Tuscan Derby. So maybe they go for that same formula, the same formula that beat Fiorentina. It's Atalanta's a similar team in that regard, where they're a lot of talented. They like to have possession of the ball. It could work to their favor. Um, why not? I mean, at this point in the season, you can't you can't just put eleven guys behind the ball and hope to hope to defend because they're not set up for that, right? They're gonna have to. You know, push up in the attack. You know, try to get Caputo his you know tap in goals there, and so maybe that's the way they're gonna have to play this game. Is like, hey, look, whatever worked for Fiorentina, let's continue more of that because Atalanta, they're gonna come at you and they, they they can play multiple ways. Now we've seen this season that they can play defensively, they can play offensively, and I think they prefer a, a game that's gonna be more offensive. And if 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 Empoli are gonna attack them, that means they're gonna be wide open to the hit on the counter attack, and they have some obviously nice playmakers on that team that can handle that. And so it'd be interesting to see. I think that game's going to be a lot more wide open than maybe most people could expect. And I see some goals in that game, but uh, the game, the game to watch for me is obviously Lazio Fiorentina. Um, I think uh, it'd be interesting to see Lazio is going to be a home in this one. And so 
can they, you know, Fiorentina are riding high. Uh, these two teams faced polar extremes this during the uh, European week, right? Fiorentina won huge six nothing, and and Lazio lost. So how do these teams recover from that? Does Fiorentina have a letdown? Uh, and then Lazio can they find a way to scrape themselves back up? I think you know Lazio is going to have to find a way to pick themselves back up. Um, try to limit the opportunities that Fiorentina have, obviously, right? And you know a guy who does not the paciest guy, but is obviously having a, a, a great career, great season this year. It's a Bonaventura. If you can kind of shut him down um, and limit his his playmaking abilities, you're going to have a chance in that game. And I think if you know Lazio. More than capable of winning, obviously, but you know, I think the way that they've been playing lately, they can get if they can keep it close, there's a chance. And you got when you got Luis Alberto on your team, when you got Chiri Mobile, um, Felipe Anderson, some of these guys who can who can make that magical moment, then you got a chance. But you know, they can't let the things get open because I think, unlike Eppoli, Lazio need to keep it close. Fiorentina, they can't they can't pace with Fiorentina at the moment. Just the way these forms, these two teams are playing at the moment, I think Fiorentina, if it's open game, they're going to walk all over them. What are your thoughts? Um, I give Empoli a chance against Atalanta, and I think yeah. that a lot of it is because of Atalanta's away form, and they've lost three of the last four in Serie A away. Um, they drew at Storm, 10-man Storm, mind you, uh, in the Europa League, so... There's some form there away from uh, Bergamo that is worrying. So, and I think you've got an Empoli here that has been much more competitive under Andrea Zoli here over the last few weeks. I think yep. there, and there are enough playmakers to give this Atalanta team trouble. If Atalanta come out with the, just that two-man midfield in front of the back three, you know, you got Baldanzi who can pin himself into those positions. You've got some other playmakers like Martin. Uh, Male, you got, you know, yeah, it looks like there's sk- slating Kambiagi to start next to mm. Caputo up front, in like a four, three, one, two. Interesting. Um, you know, depending on, depending on where you're looking, <clears throat> but, uh, Andrea Zoli has a nice little combination of players there too. So, um, so I give them a reasonable chance to get something at home. I'm going to say that's a draw. Uh, okay. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Uh, the 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 odds say that over two and a half right now is at minus one thirty three, but I think this will be a one one game. Um, okay. I'll go know, through I, two. Um, and what I'll t- what I'll tell you though is I think there'll be a lot of chances. Uh, the goalkeepers will step up and play well. Berisha and and Musso, who both have been playing well this season, and that's why I'm yeah. hesitant to say there's going to be more than two goals in this game. So I, I like a one one draw between these two sides. Uh, Lazio and Fiorentina. I just, I like Lazio, um, in this game. I think they're going to go ahead and win here. Um, Fiorentina obviously have been on a very nice run and if they win here, they're going to move into fourth. Um, you know, they're going to jump, they're going to jump over Napoli. And I think that that's something that is going to definitely be on in, in their sights. Uh, but this is a Lazio team that is suddenly starting to find their legs. I, I, like I said, I'm going to dismiss the, Flying road game. I thought they would lose that game anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they, they Milan had the two nil loss at at Milan, but when you look at two nil at home against Torino, three two over Atalanta, you know, two nil over Sassuolo, and now you got a Fiorentina team who characteristically, you know, even though the formations might be a little bit different, fit, you know, the profile of these teams that Lazio just beat. Um, you know, so 
this is a game that I think there will be goals. Um, I, I particularly like Matia Zakanyi to do some damage in this game in particular. Uh, but I'm going to say that Lazio will win this game 2-1. Yeah, uh, I like that shot. I think I'm going to give it a 2-1 win as well. It's going to be – they're going to have to keep it tight to have a chance. And so I think 2-1 is a good, good result, I think. Yep. Okay, so that was everything in match week 10. Let's run it back to Milan now, Richard. Okay. Uh, and let's talk about Pioli because I think that the the Pioli out voices are going to get um, a little bit louder here after the last week. Um, somebody needs to tell Buried Eyewitness that we're not interested or need to block him. Um, this guy that's trying to offer us a promotion of our channel or whatever. So ignore it. Ignore yeah, it. Ignore <laughs> it. Right. Well, anyway. Um, so. I the Juventus game throw it away a red card on Chow just you know we talked about that you go yeah. to PSG you know you're not the only team that's gone to PSG and gotten your tail handed to you um you know and uh I like I said and I maintain this when I you know and I said it on Twitter I thought Milan played well through those first 23 to 25 minutes I thought they absorbed what PSG were throwing at them. I thought they were creating going the other way. I think they were asking a question or two. But it's one of those things where you got two heavyweights that were sparring, throwing jabs at each other, and 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 PSG caught Milan with the hook in the right part of the jaw uh, when Mbappe absolutely cooked Tamori on that goal. Fantastic um, goal. Fantastic yeah. goal by Mbappe. Yeah. And, and I think that that just kind of just shook Milan to their core in terms of Look at what we're this is this is what we're playing against, and this is the guy we got to figure out how to stop now the rest of the game. Um and it can psych you out. Um, you know, no question about it. And then this this Napoli game here, like we said, played their best 45 minutes all season, and then the second half it it falls apart on them, and Napoli come back into the game and they grab a point. And you know, on the surface, you go to the Maradona and you 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 get a point. It's not something you're gonna not something you're gonna refuse. Um it just I think the optics of it are ugly because it comes off the heels of two straight defeats prior to that. Okay. Um, 10 men against Juve and then having to go to PSG, a PSG team that was desperate for a win. Um, you know, so I'm reading a lot and getting a lot of blowback here on X from all of these Pioli out guys. And I'll just give you my explanation um, as to why I keep fighting for this guy. Um, I'm reminded of the 96-97 season for Milan uh, when uh, I believe it was, it was Oscar Tabarez who was in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had taken over for Capello. Uh, Capello had quit uh, after delivering a Scudetto. And they you had Wea, you had Baggio. Um, they went to uh, – Galliani went to Bordeaux and brought back uh, Dugari. When Zidane was there, <laughs> which is still an all-time classic to me. But anyway, uh, uh, and, uh, you, you know, you still had Maldini there and you still had a collection of pretty good players there. And, uh, you know, they just, the message wasn't getting across under Tabatas and they were struggling and struggling and struggling. And people were calling for Tabatas' head and justifiably so. I can't remember exactly the table position that they were in when they sacked Tabatas, but they retreaded. Arigo Saki. Yeah, they had 15 points in 11 games. When okay. Fired. Not, yeah, not good. No. All right. 
so Saki takes over. This was the this was I think this is the last time. Okay, Milan has clearly done manager replacements before Christmas before. But that was of note where you had a really talented Milan team. They were in the Champions League. They needed a draw against Rosenborg uh, at home against Rosenborg on match day six. They lost. They were bounced from the Champions League. They finished 11th that season. You make a change now, okay, it will end up being catastrophic. You will not like, I mean, forget about Champions League. They'll finish fourth. And then forget about top four. Don't even think about Scudetto. Forget about top four. Okay, um, you're you're probably thinking eighth or ninth position at the end of the season and completely out of Europe to begin with. I, the only way to kind of cure some of these things is you're just going to have to you're just going to have to grit your teeth. If you don't like the guy, you're going to have to grit your teeth with him, because right now, to me, a manager change at Milan it would be catastrophic. Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, going back to the 96, 97 team, they were ninth. Ninth place when the Tabars got fired. Uh, just I just saw that. Now we were looking at it before, okay. but um, but yeah, no, I I'm I'm, I'm definitely a purely in guy. Yeah, uh, I have been, but I, I I do find myself after this last week. I'm I feel like a heavyweight who's been taking a bunch of punches. I feel like I'm staggering at this point. Um, I I agree with you. Getting rid of the manager during the season would be catastrophic. Um, because who do you bring in, right? Yeah, probably of all the guys you can bring in, probably Conte is the only one to maybe get the result immediately. And I don't, Conte would ruin the team. He would. And he is, his philosophy is completely opposite of Redbird. It would not work. And I would be shocked if they brought a guy like him. But I agree. I think, you know, for me, my, it's not, for me, not so much the Napoli game. I thought the Napoli game was a fantastic game. Sure, things I didn't like in it, but I'm not going to blame the manager for it. I think it was just a hell of a game. I thought Napoli responded well. Rudy Garcia yeah. and company deserve full credit. For me, my bigger problem is not not necessarily the PSG game. It has a lot to do with it, but it's more the Champions League as a whole. The lack of goals so far in Champions League for them has been disheartening. For a team that's predicted to have been so good this year, and, and obviously with the Champions League semifinals last year, it should you, you expect them to score some goals, and they can't. Yes, it's a difficult group with Dortmund, Newcastle, and PSG, but they're bottom of the table at the moment. And for me, my measure of success is not necessarily the group or the league, but it's how well do you do in Champions League. Now, if Milan were to go out in fourth position, completely all out, it, it probably is probably it's good for the league, right? Because they have they have they can have focus more on the league. But that's not good. Look, especially if you finish in the semifinals last year. Uh, but on the flip side, Milan are second in the table in the league, and so third, have, third. Excuse me, is it third? Third, yeah. Juve's in second. Nothing. Oh yeah, yeah. They didn't win the game. My bad. <laughs> they were <laughs> they were second until the two goals by Napoli. Um. So yeah, but they're third at the moment. Um. And you got to look at it from Redbird, right? Redbird. I well, before Redbird, I don't want to make a move in, in this season. If Milan finishes in fourth in Champions League and don't make top four, Pioli got to go. He's got to go. Um. Uh, but you got to look at it from Redbird. For Redbird, Scudetto would be great. Champions League, going deep in Champions League would be great. Top four is where you make your money because you're going to get that Champions League money. So for them, I would think that as long as he's in the top four, Paoli, they're fine with him because uh, they're, they're all about making that money and, and, and keeping the success going, breeding, you know, a continuation of the Champions League, a uh, continuation of Maldini had. But uh, as a fan, I, I'm, I'm disheartened because I want to see them continue. I don't expect Champions League semifinals or finals again, but you, I want to see a deep run, you know, and to finish fourth the very next year, would be a terrible look for Milan. Now, if they go on and 
contend for the Scudetto, get the top four, all is forgiven for me, I think. But I can't have successive seasons of failures in the Champions League. Um, but again, the if Pioli can't find a way to get out of the knockout runs, he finishes fourth and don't even finish top four because it's very possible. There's a lot of good teams in, in Serie A this year. He's got to go. But the, I would say at the end of the season, not during the season because it would be catastrophic, as you said. There are some names that you could probably bring in the summer if the money's right um, that could probably build something. But I don't want to see Conte, and I don't think there's anyone that can come in right now or any time in the near future and fix this team and, and get them to be successful because, like you said, it could end very similar to the 96-97 season where they just continue to drop and the confidence is gone. Um, you gotta, you got to see they brought in pieces for Pioli. Let him continue this project, see what happens at the end of the season, and then make a decision after that. So I'm wavering. I'm not. I'm not wavering. They're in third through t- the first 10 games of the season. Six of the teams they played against are sitting in the top nine right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I yep. mean, sure. they've they've played as difficult a fixture list, and then you talk about the group of death in the Champions League, Newcastle, Dortmund, and PSG on top of it. Okay. Um, you can argue that Milan have probably played the most difficult fixture list. If you want to talk about schedule strength across Europe, they're easily in the top five in terms of toughest schedules that you play that, that have been played so far through the first two months of this season. Sure. Okay. So and to have for Pioli to have them sitting in third in Serie A. Okay. And okay, bottom of their Champions League group, but they're two points out of second. All right. It's not like you've got people after that PSG game saying that Milan are eliminated from the Champions League after match day three just because they lost 3 0 at PSG. I got news for you. I look at the standings, I look at the table. Yeah. And I see they have two points, and I see second positions four points. Exactly. Two points away. I re- I'm, I'm old enough to remember when Atalanta had zero points through their first three match matches. Yeah. Games, yeah. And still got second and got all the way to the quarterfinals the COVID year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're not out of this thing. They're not out of this thing yet. They're not, you don't have to think about Europa League or focusing on the Scudetto or any of this other stuff. They better do something at home against PSG. Okay. Um, or else they're going to be forced to be in a situation where they're going to have to win both their game, both their remaining games. And yet, and that still may not be enough. So, uh, so we'll have to see, we'll have to see what happens with that. I don't think, I don't think that Pioli has done a poor job in this run, okay? But I don't think he's been brilliant in this run either at the same time. And some of that is is the new influx of players and switching now to a single pivot. And, you know, it looked great at the beginning. We can say Pulisic, Loftus-Cheek, Reiners looked like they've been there forever. Um, but now they're starting – there, there's some cracks and there's some weaknesses. We're learning that Reinders is not a good finisher. We're learning that he has some defensive deficiencies. Reinders, just take the yellow on Zaire Emery so that Mbappe doesn't even see that ball on the first goal. By the way, Zaire Emery is a fucking fantastic player. He's really good. Yeah, but I, if I'm if I'm Reinders in that situation, there's no way that pass gets to Mbappe and Zaire Emery's getting fouled and I'm taking the yellow. Yeah. Um, but – you know, that's an awareness thing that, you know, that's an awareness thing that at that level, you just have to learn to figure out. Um, He's having now to, now he's having to navigate it with a litany of injuries. Okay. Um, he's had to have games where he hasn't been able to play his best 11, but still Milan are third They're and they're 
they're not eliminated from Champions League play yet. That that that, that group is going down to match day six. There might be one team that emerges and clinches a spot before that, but at least the second position in that group is going to be decided match day six, the way that's going. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and Milan really control their destiny. I mean, it is, it sounds really simple. They win their remaining three games in the champions league. They'll go through. So um, Let, let's just, you know, if, we, if, if Milan doesn't, if, if they don't make it out of the group stage and it don't make top four, are you still going to be back in Paoli at the end of the season? You think? I think it. I, I think we would have to revisit that at that time. Yeah. I, you know, but I, I would, let's just say this, I would find it very, very hard to keep him. Yeah. I think so. for me, like, and I think uh, CBS Sports Colossus, and I think it's one of our Who on Cash on Twitter, where they, they CBS Sports Colossus put out this picture and it says like Milan and, and, and Serie A, which they look like giants. And then in Champions League, they look tiny, right? And I think that's mm. that's one of the things that's burning with me is that, you know, we, we who've been Milanisi for a long time have seen the glory in Europe. You, Milan used to be giants in Europe and they're playing like the Eden Hazards of the world, you know, all, all five foot of them. And that's what's, I think, most heartening to me is because, like, we don't look, we're not losing. Oh, we lost to PSG, right? But it's still the not be able to, and it's, uh, granted, it's only three games. It's not, I mean, last season we had a fantastic result, but it, it just seems like when it comes to the big stage, we're not getting it done. Uh, and it's, again, small sample size, but, um, you know, all these guys, the, the lack of chance creation, goals at least, uh, Leao seems to go quiet in these games when he should be, you know, what the stars of it. It's just a little disheartening at the moment, but we'll see. Let's see if things turn around. A lot could change. Like you mentioned, Atalanta several years ago during COVID, they had zero points through, what, three, four games, and all of a sudden they turned mm-hmm. around and they, and they made it out. And they went, in, they went fairly deep in Champions League too, so anything's yep. possible. Yep. So it's uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of football left to be played. You know, but I, I will, you know, if you told me with the fixture list that Milan were going to have to navigate through by the end of October and you were telling me they were in third on 22 points, three points out of first, I'd take that all day long. Yeah. Oh, for so, sure. All compared day to last year, Compared to last year? Yeah. So, so we all need to just take a deep breath. Now, let's segue into some, let's, let's say, segue into this conversation because what do we always say? We say we need 10 games to really get an idea of, of, of if the stories are being told. Uh, with all of these teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so just about everybody's played 10 games, Richard. Um, it's really easy to ask who's looked the part because Inter looked the part. Okay. Yeah. They've had the they've had a mix of different styles of play that they've been up against, of different levels of opponents that they've been up against. And here they are, 25 points, 10 games, 25 scored, only five conceded, 8-1-1 one one record, um, including that 5-1 win over Milan in the Derby. So that story... That story's been told. We can all agree on that. Yeah. Um, what other team are you looking at right now that you would say this ten these ten games represent who they are and they look the part? And then give me one team that you think this story hasn't been fully told yet. I think a a team that many people want to throw out at the moment, um, and I don't know why, but. Napoli, I think, are looked apart. They are a Scudetto contender. They're going to be top four contender. They just their team is too good not to do it, right? Even with mm-hmm. Rudy Garcia and his and his shortcomings, um, I think Napoli are certainly a good squad. They showed today a good reason why they should be in that mix because they have the heart still, they have the talent still, and ultimately they didn't even play in the game, right? Um, 
Raspadori is just he's he's coming into his own, uh, getting the ch- opportunities, and he's 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 taking them and running right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're a team that's legit for sure. I think two teams, certainly two teams that I think are their stories a long way from being told is Roma and Lazio. I think eighth yeah. and ninth position at the moment. That's they're going to be higher than that. I think they're. I think they're both going to be challenging for the top four. Certainly in the Europa League discussion, uh, but challenging for top four. I think Lazio and Roma have the talent to be in that top four. Honestly, just with them is consistency, right? And obviously injuries, being healthy and stuff. We see Roma right now. They they had their basically B team there because they had no offense against Inter, but the team is more than capable of being up there. As is Lazio, in my opinion. I pick Lazio to finish second this year. So I think both those teams have a, a lot a bigger story to tell for sure. Uh, but yeah, those are the, those are three teams for me. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on the two capital clubs. I don't think their story's been fully told yet. And in particular, Roma. Um, yeah, they have not had their best lineup for a consistent stretch yet. Um, and when they have that, I think they're going to get themselves on a run and get themselves back into the picture for top four. I picked them fourth, so I, ha- I you know some part part of me has to say this, um, but I. I feel strongly about them. Okay. Uh, so, so for me, for me, I think it's an incomplete, it's an incomplete story. Um, at this point, um, another, as far as a team who's, who's, who's looking the part that this, these 10 games, that's, that's who they are. That's what they're going to be. And, um, you know, for, for, for good or for bad, uh, Juventus. Okay. Yeah. I think we're, we're back to Allegri ball. We're, I mean, I think we're back to, you know, even with all of the quality that they have, when you get Chiesa and Vlaovic together, I mean, and even with uh, the desire to, to play a more positive style of football, Allegri's still there, and he's still more than happy to just win one nil, grab the three points, and move on. Yeah. So, um, and I think, they're a, I think they've, they've proven themselves that because of the way they play, um, and the way they approach their, their, their game, I, I think they are a, they're a Scudetto contender. I had them fifth, um, but yeah. I'm seeing enough of them here that, and then, and then they're going about it quietly. And a lot of it is, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're not in Europe. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> they're defending just right. They're defending well enough. They've only conceded six goals. They don't. We talked about this last week with the Milan game and a lot of the frustrations people had, the Milan fans had about them. Juventus is a team that just does not give you dangerous chances. Okay, you're going to have to grind. You're going to have to grind your way into some opportunities to score some goals. And you just look at the way they've defended the season so far. So, so I, you know, and if I wanted to just just to add to this, just to look a little bit further down the list, the teams that are probably, you know, I Calgary's clearly looking the part. You know, aside from the the whirlwind 20 minutes they had here against Frosinone. This is what we thought they'd be sitting here on six points. <clears throat> so, yeah. Um, but I don't think we have the whole story with Sassuolo. Um, you know, I think that uh, they're kind of an unfinished product up to this point. I think we, we expect maybe more than 13 goals in 10 games. And some of the, some of the concerns may be Dionisi might be, might have a short leash now Um, and that the message isn't getting to the team the way it has with previous managers, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but I, you know, for to see Sassuolo in that part of the table, 
you're expecting them to be a little bit more competitive here. They're conceding and they're conceding a bunch of goals. I'm, I'm looking at the table. They, they joint third worst defense in the league right now yep. with Frozenoni. Yep. It appears that way. Yeah. So um, they got to find a way to clean that up. Um, but we talked about them last year. We talked about how much that much that that inhibited them last year too. So, uh, but that's where I'd go looking just at the bottom of the table. And Calgary's where we thought they'd be and not terribly surprising. Sassuolo, just unfinished product at this point. And I think, you know, certainly certainly are going to work their way to a 10th or 11th position, I think. I've been thinking this last couple of weeks that, you know, as beautiful as the Dacha is for Udinese, it'd be a travesty to see that beautiful stadium go down to City B, but maybe maybe it's their time this year. We'll see. Um, oh, and some with some Argents might be going to Juve, what in January? So, yeah, that's yeah. another player you just take away from that setup. Since you mentioned Juve, it seems like they can't go a day without some kind of controversy, right? Uh, the latest one that came out today the Italian Companies and Exchange Commissions has reportedly uncovered some issues with Juventus's financial statements for 2022. What does hmm. that mean? To be determined. Let's say, let's see if there's anything with this. Uh, people already screaming, hey, points deduction again, get him, get him again. But who knows? Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see what this is about. I just saw the, the headline flash uh, on Football Italia. And so we'll, we'll see if there's anything behind that or not. But, uh, you know, again, every it seems like every day you go something to something Juventus related, whether it's a player or it's a team doing something they shouldn't be doing. It's always something, it seems like. But uh, hopefully they can overcome. And, you know, speaking of Juventus, obviously the Juventini would love to see Sule on their team. He's one of their, one of their, one of their players, right? But, the fear, I think that's rightly so for many of is he goes to Allegri ball. He's not going to be the player that we expect him to be. He's going to be different. So maybe it's let him let him ball out or Frosinone and sell him for some, some money. I don't know because Allegri ball is going to win you games. It's for trophies. It's not for, you know, individual success, right? Uh, yeah. Chiesa is not going to win. Chiesa or Vlahovic is not going to win goal scoring titles playing under Vlahovic or under Allegri. Maybe, maybe. But it's unlikely, uh, and people want to say, "Yeah, you know, DiBala and and Ronaldo scored a lot of goals on Allegri." Yeah, but uh, this is 2.0. This is even more difficult, harder to watch than the last one. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Juve gets the job done. That's what Allegri does. Uh, they're going to get results. Claw, you know, clawing and scratching like they did against Verona, or sometimes it'll be easier when there's like I think it was last week they won three nothing or whatever it was. So um, Juventus are going to be in our lives as long as there's no points deductions anymore, right? Uh, they're going to be in the top four. They are. They're the, they're a good team. They're at least going to be contending there. They're contending for Scudetto. It's a, it's a good team overall. They got the right formula, and, and Chesney's back to his old ways. So, uh, yeah, the team to obviously keep an eye out if you're the rest of the league. Yeah, for sure. Oh, mercy. Uh, goals of the week. I just I have the Raspadori goal as my goal of the week, and then I would say the only other – the only one I, I, I really like that to put up there was Sula's second goal for Frozenoni. Okay. Uh, my three honorable mentions, I got uh, Brescianini and Taram and Cambiasso, all three of those goals. Um, top five for me. I got Sule's second goal is my number five, uh, Oristian, uh, Oristano. Uh, like, I liked his goal, good hustle to get the ball and then uh, getting the goal. At that point, it was the first goal of the game for them, for Cagliari. Uh, Politano's goal, I thought, you know, his – Nice move to get the ball past the defender Pellegrino, and then I mean it's rifling it past Magnol. Magnol could do nothing about it. It was a short side beauty by me. Raspadori's free kick number two for me. Wonderful free kick is un- un- unbelievable. 
The only reason it's not number one is because what happened at Cagliari. I thought Pavoletti, two goals, especially the game winner there. Just a heart by Cagliari in general. Um, you know What's lost in all this 4-3 game? The game nearly drawn at the end. It was forced by a save by Scufet at the very end. Uh, if not, the game would have been tied 4-4. But Pavoletti, two goals at the dine ends of the game. Cagliari find a way to win, win a game down 3-0. That's you know number one for me. Okay. Sounds good to me. So... All right, I think we've uh, we've 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 covered it all, Richard. How about we get on to the world's most popular hashtag game? Time for who won couch show Twitter. Who won couch show Twitter? Let me pull up the screen, get the sound in there, and boom, here we off and running. All right, so uh, turn the volume down here. So, <laughs> this is that's Pioli, by the way. Uh, this one comes from Giacomo Combianchi, and it's uh, what it says is basically you, you've been playing like shit, but let's uh, let's move on and move, look to the future. And this is a falling Pioli hip-hop lo-fi loop. It's lo-fi music, and it's just Pioli tripping over a bag. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, and here is that aforementioned at CBS CBS Sports Galasso. Milan and Serie A, second place, 21 points, uh, with the height of uh, Luka Jovic. Um, (laughs) Milan and UCL dead and last in Group F, zero goals, brutal in Europe. Eden Hazard. Eden Hazard, yep. (laughs) So... Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, Jerry Mancini nominating Roger Ibanez, Magic Touch. This is a Saudi league, and uh, wait for the ball. Here comes the ball. Ibanez got it. Hey, keeper. No! Ongol. <laughs> he must have thought he was playing Lazio. He must have thought he was playing Lazio, Roger Ibanez there. Wonderful uh, finish. Yes, it was wonderful. That is good. That is good. Uh, let's see. Bobby has nominated. Uh, <clears throat> it's, it looks like uh, just uh, just uh, Giuseppe from Just Juve. Um, Football Italia. The Italian Companies and Exchange Commission has reportedly uncovered some issues with Juventus's financial statements for 2022. And you got Adriano uh, saying it was Inter. <laughs> and and yeah, Beppe saying attenzione. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right uh christian says lukaku versus inter <laughs> <laughs> if you had the whistles in the background you'd be better but yeah that's good <laughs> that's <laughs> oh that's good that's we've funny. got a leader in the clubhouse leader in the clubhouse all right moving on uh, let's see. Uh, big show. Uh, a Serbi enter a emptying his pockets after the Roma game. Oh, he's got that nice flip phone, some gold keys, and Lukaku. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a cherry did a masterful job against uh, Lukaku <laughs> he in that did. game. He did. All right. Uh, this is more so for the picture than the, the comment, but it's uh, Gillis 15. It's a crazy game, but some things remain the same, and it's uh. Calabria still being uh, the owner of Havarashili on that right hand side there. Or left, yeah, left it was it side. was good. It was good. Yeah, yeah. I believe that is it. That is it. I, I got it. I, it's Cia Kino for me. Um, yeah, yeah. Lukaku. I saw that. I was cracking up today. Uh, that's yeah, great. This exactly. Is quality. I mean, that's more yeah. than he did in the game. I think. So. Honorable mention. Honorable mention to Big Show, but uh, we're going to yeah, go with this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I will uh, go ahead and put that out there and let you speak to the people yes uh 
yeah, I want to give a shout out to Low Limit Football. They had me on their podcast this morning. Got to talk a little calcio. Well, more so is uh, got to talk a little Champions League. I got to plug Milan in there and they're losing ways in the Champions League. Uh, talk a little bit about Bundesliga and EPL as well. But uh, shout out to Roberto and Joe for having me on again. I always love being on their podcast. Uh, that was, I think the only podcast that's been out there longer than us. So kudos to them. They just hit a freaking... They got a lot of podcasts out there. They're, definitely check them. Follow them out. Follow both of them as well. Uh, but uh, I was always always grateful when they uh, allowed me to join them on their podcast. So, yep. <clears throat> okay. Well, I think we're going to uh, put a bow on this edition of City. Uh, sit down after all of that. Uh, thank you all for uh, taking the time to listen to us. As always, uh, if you. If you're listening, you're listening to one of the following streams. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. We're also on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there are podcasts. Uh, you can find City I Sit Down at City I Sit Down on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it these days. Same handle on Instagram. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook as well. He He's Richard Carmen. He's at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. I am Frank Cravello. I'm at FTC underscore 21 let's do this again next week let's do it again awesome. we'll see yeah we'll see i gotta talk to you about that off air so <laughs> okay. all right anthony in the chat everybody that was in the chat thank you for joining us uh and uh thank you as always for listening we will be back with you all next week and uh breaking down some champions league previews some europa league previews and uh match week 11 uh in in our lives next weekend as well so until then for richard i'm frank as always make sure you tell your paisans about us ciao